Well, great to be here today. Sorry about that little glitch. Um, we are continuing our series in King Jesus. And uh, if you've got your Bibles uh, or your devices, whatever way you want to look up Mark chapter 6, 45 to 56, uh, it will be on the, the screen here this morning. Uh, King Jesus is a sermon series that focuses on uh, Mark's account of Jesus' life, asks, answering the question or seeking to answer the question, was Jesus the true Messiah for whom Israel had been waiting for? And I guess this is a question that uh, a lot of people have today. Is Jesus the person um, he said he was? Is he the person that uh, can change our lives? Is he the Messiah? Is he the Son of God, the one who saved us? And I guess uh, as a church here today, BBC, Bendigo Baptist Church, we, if we didn't believe that, uh, we wouldn't probably be gathering here today or this would be just a nice kind of little club. But the reality is, is as we've seen in the previous weeks, that Jesus is who he said he was, that he is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God. He's the one who saves us. He's the one who gave us hope. And uh, today, this is a great story that we're in. It's probably the uh, one of the best stories that uh, you'll read in Scripture, and it's Jesus walking on the water. And uh, uh, the context for this uh, passage is on the back end of the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, the disciples had, uh, had seen Jesus, he had heard Jesus do some amazing things. There was, uh, they had seen him heal the blind, heal the deaf, the mute, uh, all sorts of diseases. He'd uh, cast out demons. Um, there were, were people being raised from the dead. Uh, wine, uh, water turned into wine. He had authority over the, over the elements, the, the environment. And then there was this feeding of the 5,000. Now, some say that it was more like probably 25,000 if you add family members. So this is a big group of people, five loaves, two fishes. In fact, this, this uh, miracle, there's only two miracles, two miracles that are recorded in the four Gospels, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the feeding of the 5,000. So this is a very significant event. And um, on the back end of this is this, this, uh, this moment where Jesus walks on the water. Um, the people uh, were expecting something uh, big to happen. They were wanting Jesus to, to lead, a, uh, uh, lead them out of the, the, the confines of Rome and, and the oppression that they were, were were feeling, and so they wanted someone to rescue them, to the Messiah, to kind of lead them. Um, uh, you could say on a on a, a journey of revolution. And uh, Jesus, he came um, as a person of peace. And and so in this story here, as we read through, we'll see uh, that immediately after the feeding of the five thousand, that Jesus sends his uh, his disciples across the lake, the Sea of Galilee. And so. Um, if you've got your, your, your Bibles there, the, the, it should be up on the big screen. Uh, Mark uh, chapter 6, 40, verses 45 to 56. 
Um, it seems to be this passage broken into three sections. It's the first little section is, is where Jesus sends his disciples off and he spends some time in prayer with his, his father. Um, then there's this section of protection of his disciples. He goes out and he meets them. And then there's this kind of compassion on the crowds at the tail end. And so we're just going to read through this, uh, this passage. And um, hopefully, uh, once again, be reminded this morning that uh, the God we serve, the God we follow, is incredible, that he is the Messiah. And so, verse 45, immediately there's this sense here, right here, that Jesus was concerned about the crowds um, uh, causing a ruckus or an uprising. And so immediately it says here, Jesus made, and that's very strong language in the original, con, um, in the original language, um, that word made is very strong. So Jesus is saying to his disciples, get in the boat. This is not um, sort of, come on guys, jump in the boat because we need to journey across uh, the lake. This is very strong language from Jesus. Made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida. That was just kind of north of where uh, they were. Remember the, the uh, feeding of the 5,000 was in an area called Capernaum and uh, they were, they were, Jesus was sending them uh, to Bethsaida which is kind of north of where they were. Um, while he dis- dismissed um, the crowd. Now, here is the first sign of, of, of a miracle from what I can gather. Because if you're trying to dismiss without technology 5,000 to 25,000 people, there's a miracle right there in that moment. So Jesus dismisses the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on the mountainside to pray. And I want to pause there. Um, Right here in the midst of what is, is one of the most um, remembered and uh, prominent miracles, Jesus makes a decision after dispersing the crowds, after sending the disciples away, to go into the mountainside to pray. Um, now, I, I find this inspiring, I find this incredible. Um, when we talk about going to the mountainside to pray, we're looking at probably nine to twelve hours. If you if you think that uh, he sent the disciples um, uh, off onto the lake just as uh, dusk kind of happened, um, he, uh, he we know in the scripture here that he didn't he didn't go to meet his disciples until dawn or just before dawn in the fourth watch they say. So he would have spent between nine and twelve hours overnight in solitude, in time alone with his father in the mountainside. And if that's not something that models for us uh, uh, the importance of spending time with God in prayer, I don't know what would. This is, this is important stuff for us to take on board. He spends time with his father in prayer. How much more is it important for us to do this? Let's continue on. Um, 47, verse 47, later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake. Now, the width of the Sea of Galilee is about seven nautical miles, which is 13 kilometers wide, okay? So they were out in the middle. They, they were meant to kind of go up the coast, but they ended up out into, in, in the middle. And uh, the middle of the lake is about 43 meters, I've, I've checked this, uh, deep. 
So there's no sandbar there. So for those who, who want to discredit this as some sort of Jesus walking maybe on a sandbar, that's, that's this is not the case. The middle of the Sea of Galilee is 43 metres deep. Um, and uh, they, they kind of had been blown off course. They would have, if you can imagine, they would have tried to have followed the coast because the coast gives some sort of um, uh, guidance for them. But they end up, because of the wind, out in the middle of the boat, uh, out in the middle of the lake. And he was alone on the land. So Jesus is still up in the mountain and he saw his disciples straining at the oars. Here, another miracle. You know, if you, if you've li- I've lived on the coast most of my life, so I know this. If you're up in the hill and you're looking out to the, the sea, seven, six, you know, six and a half kilometres is a long way to try and see whether or not uh, somebody is straining with oars in a boat. Okay, so there's a miracle right here. He, he sees this, okay? Um, and uh, because the wind was against them shortly before dawn, so the fourth watch, so somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m., he went out to them walking on the lake. Another miracle. Um, uh, you, you just don't walk on water. Someone said to me this morning, um, I'd like to see you walk on water. Um, I, I can't do that guys this morning i'm sorry um jesus walks on water 40 43 meters deep he walks on water miracle um he was about to pass them by when he saw uh, when they saw him walking on the lake they be, uh, they thought he was a ghost now there was there was some thought mythology around at the time that if uh if, if a spirit came to you in the night particularly on the water then this was not good this was a spirit kind of a doom. And so um, they cried out because they saw him and were terrified. Um, I had a chuckle at this. These are big, burly blokes. These are guys that have been, you know, fishing and, and, and to row for the time that they had rowed. These are strong sort of blokes. And I think in the original language it says they screamed, you know, like a, um, they were just frightened. And I, I uh, kind of thought, you know, you know, real men don't eat quiche sort of stuff, you know. It, it's uh, um, that moment in the story where you just, you kind of chuckle. But they, they are terrified. They see him and they are terrified. And immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed in the boat with them and the wind died down. Another miracle. Uh, the, the wind just kind of subsided and the lake went flat. And they were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. I love Jesus right here. I love the imagery around or, or, or the, the compassion and the kindness that goes on right here with his disciples. It's an awesome picture of God and his care for his people. He gets in the boat with them. He speaks to them tenderly. He encourages them. Um, words of encouragement were spoken, the calming of waters in the midst of their situation, their storm, you could say, their, their struggle, the calming words of Jesus, the comfort of Jesus, the presence of Jesus right there in that moment. Verse 53, verse 53 when, they had crossed, when they had crossed over, they landed at... Gennesaret and anchored there 
As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognised Jesus. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns and countryside, they placed the sick in the, in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch the edge of his cloak, which is referenced back to what Dave was talking uh, about a couple of weeks in, in the lady who um, was, uh, was suffering with bleeding. And all who touched it were healed. And right here is another miracle, you see. So there's miracles right through this, this, this passage. And it's an incredible passage of Scripture. And as I said, if, if there was, this would have to be one of the passages right up there for, for all of us, whether we've learned about this in Sunday school or not, or, or whether we've heard it over the years, this is a significant passage of Scripture. And uh, this morning, I just want to spend a few moments looking at um, some things in this passage that can help us in our discipleship. But I want to say up front that um, uh, why does Mark include this account of Jesus walking on the water, or um, it's in three of the Gospels. It's in Matthew, Mark, and John. How does it fit in this question of answering, is this the Messiah? Well, I think for me, this passage, as you read it, you can't miss Jesus for who he is. You can't miss it. He's authority over nature. Seeing the disciples from a distance up in the hills, six and a half kilometers out on the coast at night is, is, uh, is an incredible thing. Walking on the water, the calming of the weather. This is, this is not a scene from the movie Evan Almighty. This is the Son of God doing what he does best, having authority over the situation. I see the compassion and care of Jesus for his disciples. Um, he, Jesus gets in the boat with them. The words of affirmation that were spoken, don't be afraid, I'm here, is I. And then journeys with them back to the coast. He doesn't get in the boat, calm everything down and sort of wander off across the water and just leave them there. He journeys with them in the boat across you know, I think of the words of Hebrews chapter 2 when it says this, For this reason he had been made, um, so for this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service, of, in the service to God, and that he, might, uh, that he might make atonement for the sins of people because he himself suffered when he was tempted, and he was able to help those who were being tempted. You see, this is a God. Jesus is somebody who gets in the boat and he journeys with you. He has that empathy because he um, is God, but he's also human. That's incredible thought. I see the love of, of Jesus that he has for his father, that time of, of prayer and solitude that he has alone with his father. This passage points us to the conclusion that Jesus is the one Israel were waiting for and is the same God that we worship and serve here today. And I'll say this, and I often will think about this, and I often say it just with people one-on-one. -on -one. Jesus, his life, his teachings, his ways are perfect, a model for transformation in our lives. His death, his resurrection, everything about him is simply incomparable. 
So if, uh, there's one thing this morning that would grip us from these stories is this: this is this is this is God, Jesus in the flesh. God, God in the flesh is Jesus, and right here we just see so much of of um, uh, miracles and who He is and and and, what, and how He He uh, He rolls out um, His time on earth. So there's a couple of things that I just want to share that that um, I thought about as I read this passage that will help us, I hope, in our, in our uh, lives as we follow after Jesus. And the first is this, is that challenges, I, 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 was, I was using the word storm there for a while, but it wasn't a storm, it was a strong wind. And, and I've, I know the difference because of living on the coast, that it was, it was a strong wind, not a storm. And so the challenges of life, I've put that there rather than the storms of life, will always be a part of our journey. If we think that, um, that making a decision to follow Jesus is a free ticket to, to just having it easy, it, 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 from my experience, from the disciples' experience here, it's not, that's, that's not the truth. The challenges will always um, be there. The wind um, and, 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 and what that did for the disciples, which threw them off course, they wouldn't have been expecting that, but it was a part of their journey at that particular time. Um, I can remember a time when um, I, uh, uh, back uh, in, in when I was living in WA, I went down south and I went on a bit of a fishing trip with um, a, a couple of guys and we decided we'd go out off um, the, the Cape um, Naturalist. So it's sort of, if you can, for those who, who kind of know WA, we were down in Bustleton and we made this journey out to the, the um, above kind of Cape Naturalist and, um, and we were doing some great fishing there, some, some really good uh, uh, um, uh, fish were caught that particular day. Um, but if you know the WA, the, the, uh, what they call the Fremantle Doctor or the South Westerly came in at about three o'clock. And uh, we realised that we probably needed to start heading back to shore. And the, the, we, weren't ex- we weren't expecting that. Um, we, we, we probably weren't thinking properly at the time. We were just enjoying the moment. But I can tell you now that the trip back to shore, back to Bustleton, was wild. And um, uh, I think there was, there was some moments where some burly went over the side of the, uh, the boat, if you know what I mean, you know. And um, just the change of environment because of that wind that came in and, and potentially that what that would have caused for us was... Um, uh, diabolical and um, so I get what's happened here I get what's happened I wish the, that day that the, the ocean would remain flat and there was no southwesterly that came in and we could continue fishing but it didn't and that's life things come in and they, they batter us around and there's seasons for all of us where that challenge happens it could be in a relationship it could be financial it could be physical it could be emotional it's things that happen that test us and it's not easy. It's not easy. But those moments, I believe, shape us. And for the disciples, it shaped them. The scripture says that they had hard hearts. And they hadn't fully understood the, 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 uh, uh, the feeding of the 5,000, particularly um, uh, the fact that there was 12 baskets that were collected up after that happened. 
but it, it changed them. That moment changed and that, that encounter, that, that, uh, that challenge that they were in and as Jesus met them, it changed them. And I think that, uh, that that's what happens to us. It's the, it's the challenges in life that can really shape us and change us. Um, Jesus, in fact, said that you're blessed if you go through tough times. Blessed are those, uh, blessed are you when, when people insult you, he says, it persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Rejoice and be glad because great in heaven is your reward. For in the same way they persecute the prophets who were before me. And so there's this, Jesus himself is saying that, that, that tough times can be there for us. James talks about it, that hardships are good because they teach us things. They shape us. Storm, the storms of life, the, the troubles in life, teach us things about, about God and ourselves. James says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials or many, of many, trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. In this passage, as I said, these disciples, right in the midst of their trouble, had that encounter with God and, and Jesus gets in the boat with them and their hearts are changed. And that leads me, leads me to my second point, that Jesus is there in the midst of our hard times. Jesus promises that he will never leave and forsake us. The words of encouragement that he spoke that day as he approached the boat, take courage, don't be afraid, the calming of the waters... He sees them from afar and he goes out to help. Psalm 46, 1 says, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. I want you to think back into your life and your own personal journey and, and the times where God has just been there right in the midst of whatever was going on in your life. You know, Jesus, as I said, jumps in the boat and then goes on the journey with them back to shore. He doesn't leave them and says, sort it out yourself. He doesn't just kind of walk past. He doesn't remove himself from the problem. He gets in the boat and he joins them right there and he journeys with them. What a comforting thought. What a comforting thought. Whatever is going on in your life right at the moment, no matter how hard it is, Jesus is there in the midst of your situations. For the disciples, fear turned to faith, confusion to confession, wondering to worship. Another thing that, that jumped out at me as I read this passage is that obedience puts us in the place, in a great place to encounter, to have an encounter with Jesus. Right from the outset, the disciples obey Jesus by getting into the boat and setting sail. No questions. Jesus was very authoritative. We know that because of the language used in the uh, original language. Get into the boat, guys. Come on. Um, but they obeyed. They obeyed him right in that moment. And they jumped in the boat and they started to row their oars. No questions. Just obeyed. In Matthew's, uh, it's interesting, in Matthew's version of events of this story, Jesus um, uh, says to Peter, uh, get out of the boat, come over to me. 
and Peter obeys and just gets out of the boat and he attempts to walk on water. And, and there's that, that scene there where he's sinking because of the, he, he's uh, looking at the, the waves that are coming in around him and he, and he begins to maybe doubt and he begins to sink. You know, sometimes we, we just need to, to um, be in that space where we step out into the unknown. We can hear the voice of Jesus, but we can't necessarily see him like Peter, but we trust in that moment. We trust in that moment. We obey in that moment. And we meet Jesus in that moment. Obedience um, is, uh, is about stepping out, sometimes into the unknown and just trusting the voice of Jesus. As a pastor... Um, people often ask me that question, what is the will of God for my life? What is, what is God wanting me to do in, in regards to going down a particular path? And it's a great question. It's a great thing to try and unpack. And uh, I, I, like, I, I like in those moments speaking with people um, about that. But there's another side to obedience that I just want to reference here this morning, and that is that, you know, Jesus in the words to his disciples, um, before he left the earth, he says, go and make disciples. He said, teach them to obey everything that I have commanded. You know, there is times in our life where, yes, we need to lead. We need to follow the, the leading of Jesus. We need to obey where he wants us to go. But a lot of our journey, I think, as, as, as um, followers of Jesus is, is to just obey the teachings of Jesus. To, 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 you know, not necessarily always be in that moment where we've got to get in the boat and go. But obedience is about obeying what he um, spoke to his disciples and essentially what he wants us to do. He spoke, he spoke to his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount. I love that Sermon on the Mount, that passage of Scripture back there in Matthew chapter 5. He spoke about what it means to obey him around forgiveness, what it means to obey him about having a pure heart or pure motives, obeying him uh, about what it means to be a peacemaker and not a troublemaker, to be humble, to be compassionate. There's those moments where, we, where God is asking us to get in the boat and to go. But I think most of the time our, our journey is to obey what Jesus has asked us to do. Transformation in that is, it'll, it'll change the world. <laughs> if we really, really as followers of Jesus embrace the teachings of Jesus, what he asked us to do. Bendigo will be turned upside down. Victoria will be turned upside down. Australia, the globe. I often say to my kids, do what is right. Even if you don't want to and even if it costs you. Do what is right even though you don't want to do it. Why? Because that's what it means to follow Jesus. That what it, that's what it means to, to, uh, to, to listen to Jesus and obey everything that he has commanded us. That's what he said. Obedience. 
puts us in a great place to have an encounter with Jesus. And it was that case for the, for the disciples. Right there in the midst of, of their situation, they have this encounter with Jesus. Andy mentioned this morning, um, remembering back to the things that, that have happened in, in, in our life, the good things and um, I think remembering and celebrating God at work in our lives keeps us from losing that, that faith. You know, as I mentioned earlier, the feeding of the 5,000 is a, is a pretty significant event. If it's mentioned in the four Gospels alongside the resurrection, this is a significant event, right? For the disciples, six to nine hours later, sort of seemingly to, to just forget that, um, says something about human nature, that we do forget, that we do forget the things um, that God has done in the past. You know, um, I look back, I came to Bendigo Baptist Church 10 years ago, and the changes that I've seen here just in this congregation is it's just incredible um the ministry in town the ministry out at eagle hawk the ministry that's going on in people's lives the change that's going on in people's lives the people who have come to christ and it's good to remember this week there was there was a couple of people i read that have been um connecting into alpha here at church and um, there's two people that have, have made that decision to follow Jesus. That is incredible. That's worth thinking back to and remembering and, and, and it helps us. It helps us to keep focus. It helps us with our faith. For the disciples, they quickly forgot the wind and the struggle that they were going through. They quickly forgot that, that Jesus takes... Um, five loaves and two fishes and he feeds 25,000 people. It's incredible. Why would you forget that? Why would you not think that if, if Jesus puts you in the boat and says to go, that he wouldn't look after you? Why would they think that he was a ghost? Because human nature um, sits there for the disciples and sits there for us. And we need to keep reminding. We need to go back to Scripture and see what Jesus has done. We need to constantly be reminded of the good of, of God in our lives. One final thing. God's timing is, is different to ours. You know, in this story, you, you look at the disciples and, and they're, they're obviously... Um, had been struggling for, for up to between 9 and, and 12 hours. We don't really know, but it's somewhere in that zone. And um, it wasn't till the fourth watch or between 3 and 6 that Jesus goes out to meet with them and to, to, um, to be with them in that moment. And so um, you, have to, you have to think that's, that's a, kind of like a little bit odd, isn't it, that, that Jesus just wouldn't, wouldn't go straight away if he knew and, and sort of get out there and, and help the situation. Um, God's timing, his ways, his thoughts are just different to ours. 
And I think a part of what it means to follow Jesus is to recognise that in our lives, that sometimes there's a time to wait and sometimes there's a time to, to move and to go. And, and it, it, God is still there in that, in that moment. He's still leading, he's still guiding, but it's just maybe different to what we expect. And so here we see that God's time is a little bit different um, to the disciples and maybe what they were thinking but he was still there for them and he still met them on the lake. And I want to finish on the lake. And I want to finish with um, probably the most intriguing part of this, this passage. I've, I've left the, the interesting bit to, to the last bit. Um, it says in, 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 in verse 48 that he saw his disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, fourth watch, he went out to them walking on the lake. And this is what it says. He was about to pass by them. He was about to pass by them. Okay. So they're on the lake. They're struggling. Big belly guys that don't eat quiche are struggling on the lake. The wind has battered them. They've sailed out into the middle of the lake, six and a half kilometres from the shore. And Jesus is about to pass by them. Is this some sort of party trick? Is he, um, if you go to the commentaries, you'll see a whole screed of possible reasons why this happened. You know, is he, is he going to the other side to kind of meet them and go, hey guys, on the other side? Is he, is he wanting to, um, I don't know, just uh, startle them and, and bring them into that place of reaching out to him? Well, I want to take you to the most logical um, understanding of what is going on in this verse. And you'll know in the Old Testament there's a couple of stories where Jesus, where God goes past people. Elijah, Moses. In fact, with Moses, um, he's having, Moses is having dialogue with God. And, um, and Moses comes to this question, he says, show me your glory. And this is this is, this is the Lord's response. In Exodus 33, it says this, And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, You cannot see my face, for no one may see me, and live. Then the Lord said, There is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft, cleft in the rock and cover you and my, and my, with my hand until I pass by. When I remove my hand, you will see my back but my face must not be seen. You see the presence of God, his majesty, his glory was so intense that Moses could not see. But yet in this story, while Moses could not see the face of God, the disciples could touch the hand of Jesus 
Jesus, friends, wants to get in the boat with your situation. He's not some sort of distant passerby. He, he is there. His glory was experienced by the disciples. Moses could not see the face of God, but the disciples could touch the hand of Jesus. Amazing. Whatever season you're going through, whether it's relational breakdown or there's stuff going on in your family, Whatever it is, Jesus says, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. I'm going to get in the boat with you. Let's do this together. Whether it's the financial crisis at home, your business, challenges with finances at churches, Jesus says, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. I'm going to get in the boat. And let's do this together. It might be physical decline that you're experiencing. Jesus says, take courage. as I. Don't be afraid. I'm going to get in the boat with you. Let's do this together. It might be a job loss that you're going through. This COVID season has caused that. Jesus says, take courage. as I. Don't be afraid. I'm here with you. Let's do this together. You might be struggling with issues of of belief. I had a conversation this week with with somebody who who were just struggling with some of the issues around faith. Of what it means to follow Jesus. You may be someone here today who's, who's struggling with that. Jesus says, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. I'm going to get in the boat with you and let's do this together. You see, Moses couldn't see the face of God, but we sit here today and can experience the hand of Jesus, the life of Christ, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that is an incredible thing. Let's pray together today. Father, uh, you are an awesome God. We're in awe of who you are, your glory. Lord, what you've done for us, the cross. Lord, you're just an incredible God. Lord, um, we love passages like this in Scripture because, Lord, we can relate so much to what is going on. Lord, the fear that the disciples must have felt at that moment where where you approached them Lord they screamed Lord um, there's times in all our lives when we we're, we sit in that place of, of fear and questioning and doubt and Lord the, the, the wind is battering and, 
and we feel the grief of that and we, we often reach out to things that are not you, um, things that we think will fix our, our issues in life. But Lord, we know that you were there for us, that you were there wanting to, to get in the boat and to, and to do that, that journey with us. Lord, you're there and you're whispering those words, take courage. It is I, don't be afraid. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you that we have the scriptures to, to remind us of the goodness that you have done over time. Lord, we thank you for the way that you've worked personally in our lives. And Lord, we see the evidence of that and we give you praise and glory and thanks for that. And Lord, help us to think back and to be remembered, to remember those uh, moments in the times where we, where we doubt and we're, we're full of fear. Lord, you're a good God. You want to meet us right where we're at today. Whatever journey we're on, you're there wanting to go on a journey with us. And so, Lord, we ask for that. Lord, we say this morning, get in the boat. We want to do life. We want to do journey. We want to, we want to go on a journey with you of discovery back to the shore. And so, Lord, I just pray for this moment. Lord, I pray for the, each and everyone here. Lord, that you would continue to do your work in their lives this morning, I pray. In your precious name, amen.